Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cinematic Release. I have with me um, the birthday boy, Thad himself. Say hello, Thad. <laughs> hello, hello. Yes, being recorded on the anniversary of my existence, so far as I know. <laughs> um, we're going. This is the start of the new format in which we're just going to be uh, discussion uh, topics, both about film, uh, current trends, and historical trends and stuff like that. Today's topic we're going to be discussing is uh, "Show Me a Hero." Essentially, the um, the DCU, the DECU has a slight problem right now, and that is everyone loves Wonder Woman, and that is a problem for them because Wonder Woman is sort of anathema to almost everything the DECU uh, currently is standing for. Yeah, I mean that, that was even that was kind of part of how she was introduced in uh, in Batman v Superman. Uh, was as the outsider. Like, yeah. oh, it's a strange other person that doesn't fit in. Yeah. She doesn't follow our rules. She seems to be interested in things without any self-interest. Uh, yup, yup. I love how even in Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman shows up just because. Like, yeah, oh, hey, just, oh. does a giant monster destroy Metropolis? I should do something. Well, yeah, but she was, I mean, obviously they, they managed to explain that she was clearly in Metropolis for reasons, for important right. Uh, <laughs> reasons to meet to meet Bruce Wayne at a party because of a photograph. I think I don't look. I <laughs> like I don't like I don't know why she was there either. But the fact that Batman v Superman didn't explain why Wonder Woman is there is the least of that movie's problems. <laughs> like I, I accidentally became infected with I think it was it was Max Landis's impression of Zack Snyder, where everything's just like no, nah, bro, it's cool. We'll, we'll like we'll like bring in this this like Wonder Woman chick, yeah, and and she'll be like mysterious and cool, right? But but like not as cool as as like Batman though, because Batman's fucking rad, yeah. Like, <laughs> and I can't like that's what I hear Zack Snyder as now in my head all the time. Well, before we start getting ragging on Zack Snyder, which we will do. <laughs> Too late. Um, I wanted to talk about like why Wonder Woman as a character and the Wonder Woman movie and uh, like the personality and how she was portrayed is so fundamentally the stark contrast from what we've seen of Superman and Batman. And part just, of that is at, because... Just at odds. Yes. It's because of her heroism. Her absolute heroism. Yeah. And well, I mean, if if we look at the the beginning uh, of the uh, the DC EU or whatever their acronym is, the Snyderverse, right. uh, or the Murderverse, like, as it's been affected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the you know Man of Steel. Like the closest we really get are just sort of like. Like the first introduction to this, if I recall, is just Clark. Like, yeah, he he's he does a couple of heroic things because they happened near him. Yeah, no. Um, after the thirty minutes on Krypton, like the first thing we see of Clark, he's on a fishing boat. Yeah, yeah. He's, Some dude he's... pushes him out of the way when a giant uh, cage almost crashes on him, and then they happen to be near like a burning oil rig, and Clark's like, "Okay, I'll save them." Yeah. And then, uh, uh, after uh, that, he works at a truck stop and then screws up some guy's truck because he's mean to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, well no, because he was mean to the, the, the woman first and then yeah. to Clark, who who was, who was already, like, eight times the man's size, the, 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 the like, bully guy's size by volume. Right, like, like, the, like, he didn't even need to pretend to not be Superman. The, he the just guy had was... to punch him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, it's like the the guy in the bar was trying to intimidate someone who was like two heads taller than him, 
and is, built like the platonic ideal of a brick shit house. Like this it's is, this isn't Superman two where Clark Kent is played a sort of nebbish. Yeah, and, and even nebbish, that, like, like even I've always felt like, awkward. I've always felt awkward about the Superman showing up and like roughing up the bully at the end of Superman two. That's still a little like beneath him. Like is. even when I was a kid, I was kind of like, well, it's, yeah, yeah, that guy, but also what? Yeah, no, like, but, then, but then this guy, but, like, but then this Superman is literally like destroying a truck and like a large part of a parking lot. Well, like, even of... like as a disguise, he's still like if he beat up a guy, it'd be believable. Yeah. Whereas Christopher like, Reeves no one... disguise of Clark Kent, if he beat up a guy, I'd be like, well, that's weird. Yeah, he's like he's like this. Uh, did you ever see the the Saturday Night Live sketch where The Rock was really bad at yes. pretend, like he's <laughs> pretending not to be Superman? <laughs> Everyone was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll be waiting right here when you return. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, that that to me is sort of the benchmark of... And, and also, like, when we get the flashbacks to him as a kid, the... Like, I'm so torn about Costner, Jonathan Kent, because it's such good casting, and... And well, yet, all, all he ever does is, like, no, maybe... No, I mean, you're you're here for important reasons, son, but don't help anyone. That would be stupid. Well, that was like the schizophrenic part of, Cotton's, of Jonathan <laughs> Kent and Man of Steel. It's the constant, you're here for a reason, you're going to be a hero someday, you're going to change the world. Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Stop changing the world. Yeah, it's like they're, they're it's like they're, they feel an important, they, they felt it was very important to check some of the important, like, tick boxes left over from the Donner Superman. Like, right. okay, Jonathan Kent saying you're here for a reason, we got that. Uh, Superman standing up to a bully at a bar for some reason. Uh, okay, yeah, we got those. Peak Superman, good job. We understand things. Okay, here's, like, here's the actual quote from Jonathan Kent and Man of Steel. I have to believe you were sent here for a reason. This is shortly after he basically tells him, after Clark said, should I not have saved the kids on the drowning bus, to which he goes, maybe not. Yeah. It's like, what? No, what, what, then what's the reason he was here for, Jonathan? <laughs> Not but yeah, so the, 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 that's that's our sort of benchmark for Superman heroism. Our our benchmark for Batman heroism is set with uh, apparently Batman brands people and then people murder those people in prison, and Batman is fine with this. Okay, I have to I have to say something though. <laughs> okay. The benchmark for Batman heroism is when he's Bruce Wayne heading towards the collapse of the city. All right, that's fair. That actually, that, that, God, they started that off on a pretty good foot with their, yeah, with because their I, I, I just saw Man of Steel again, like, last week, and I just watched Batman v Superman yesterday, and I was really shocked with just how instantly Bruce Wayne is like, I'm there. Like, he flew in. Yeah. In his weird product placement, like, vehicle that he was right. driving for some reason. That he yeah, was, like, like he's literally, yeah. like, in the rubble. Like, this is 9-11 imagery all over the place. Oh, the yeah. But of course, I I don't at all believe that that was something that they would have done had people not been so vocally complaining about how horrendously destructive and violent the the end of Man of Steel was. I, well, yeah, no, I, like well, their reaction that to that, that is pretty haphazard and lazy. But we'll get to yeah. that in a sec. Oh, right, no, no, uh, like that that opening scene though. Like you're absolutely right. I I I will give that credit. Well, like it's... going back to Man of Steel, there is. One moment of heroism. And there's one thing I've sort of noticed in all the superhero movies. The real moments of heroism come from the people. Yeah. Uh, in Man of Steel, it's Perry White and another of the Daily Planet, who while everything else is going around, one of their colleagues is trapped underneath the building. Yeah. And they, and and they, they stay ref- behind and try to help her get out. Yeah. The only and real hero- act of heroism from Superman and Man of Steel is when he goes to stop the world machine... And Lois is like, 
well, what could happen? It's like, I don't know. I'm going yeah, in. I, it's like, that's the first I time he's over a hero. Because yeah. up until then, everything else is, I don't know. Should I? Yeah, humanity he's is literally... at stake. Yeah, but yeah, but humanity might turn on me. It's, it's at stake. There's, there'll be no humanity to turn on you. if you. What, do you not understand how this works? Yeah, it's, I don't know, like... The, I, I try and think back sometimes about because I I will defend like the first like chunk of Man of Steel like the first hour I don't have as many problems with although the weird like Jonathan Kent insanity is I, just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I don't know I don't know and of course there's also the fact that in uh, the 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 one thing that I will always say is the greatest most perfect Superman moment in Man of Steel and it is one of my favorite things maybe ever. Is that in the, com- by the way, completely unexplained, like, Zod appears in Clark's mind, <laughs> something, Kansas, and then Skulls. There uh, you go again, explanations. It. Right, nothing around it makes sense. But, but, Clark Kent is wearing a Kansas City Royals t-shirt. Hell yeah, the patron saint of lost causes, my friend. Hometown hero right there. Uh, this is before they were Wilson's champions, back when they were still in the gutter. I think that is the most heroic thing that, that <laughs> Clark does, is he, he is a Royals fan. Before they <laughs> won, by the way, like that was, that was back in the old days. Well, and this takes us to Wonder Woman, who, the moment we see adult Wonder Woman, the moment that Steve Trevor's plane crashes... She doesn't question anything. All she knows is she sees someone in trouble and immediately jumps in and saves them. Yeah, she runs out and, and rescues a stranger, right. and that is solid. That's, when that's good stuff. When people attack them, she starts attacking them because she's like, well, the, clearly he's not attacking us, so he must be a good guy. Like, And then the moment he's like, oh, there are other people in trouble, she's like, well, we should go help them. Like, There's never once any kind of, mm, maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't. She's like, no, fuck this. Let, there are people in trouble. We need a hero, and I'm the hero. Yeah, I'm doing this. This is this is what we do. Uh, it's why we were fucking creative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the Amazons have a pretty specific set. Like that's, uh, I've only I only have seen Wonder Woman the once so far, and right. I do have a lot of like, why are the Amazons so like? Why is the Queen of the Amazons so meh about this? And I, I mean, in an abstract sense, I get why because of Diana's secret heritage and et cetera, et cetera. But so much of her, like, not wanting to go out there and, like, r- run down and, and ruin some Ares shit right. is well, so counter to, like, their thing. Like, think, I'm a little baffled by. I think for me, because I, I read the Amazons essentially as a payable in isolationism. Yeah, yeah. Because they have a paradise, and they're fine with it. As long as no one bothers with them, they're not going to bother with anyone else. And really, if anyone bothers them, they're just going to beat them back to the border, and that's it. They're not really wanting to get outside. Because they, they were they outside their, before, and it, it wasn't... They have they their little like slice it. of home, and they're right. keeping it. And Diana's like, no, 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 we're part of a world. We have to interact with them. We have to. Yeah. And that's kind of the first time we get that from anyone. Like, Batman, I won't judge for that. Like, Batman's business is generally supposed to be, I'm taking care of my city, right. because because of reasons. Because it's right. my city. I'm, I'm the Batman. Really, Batman has some really extreme tribalism going on when it comes to Gotham. It's this is this is my land, and uh, <laughs> I will I will punch anyone that I think is breaking the law, except me. Um, but everything about Diana in Wonder Woman, right up and into the moment where she has a chance to kill Doctor Maru, 
Yeah. And uh, she Dr. doesn't. Dr. Poison. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Poison. When she ha- and she doesn't, which is absolutely counter to Superman. I'm not talking about the neck breaking of Zod. I'm talking about the genocide he commits before breaking Zod's neck. When right. Zod explicitly says, if you destroy this ship, you destroy all of Krypton. And to which Superman says, without missing a beat, Krypton, Krypton had his chance. I don't know. I, uh, based on, hold on, uh, based on my, uh, my readings of the Superman scriptures, um, <laughs> as, as you know, I am, I am uh, a, a what, what would it be, a Kabbalist of Superman lore or something? Right. Uh, aliens don't count. <laughs> so there are two things historically that don't count aliens and nazis uh you can tell if you go back and watch justice league unlimited or, or or superman to a certain extent like they will they won't tell you they won't like make it forefront but when they're back in time they they blow up some tanks and you don't see people <laughs> running out of those fires because they're nazis <laughs> And if that, and if it's an alien beast, especially, but not always, if it's a non-humanoid, right. uh, then, then no, it's it's that's fine. It's not it's not people. Okay. <laughs> if that is the text reading of the Superman Gospel, then I understand completely. I don't. I don't think that that. I don't think they sat around being like, no, it'll be fine. They're Krypton. They were like, no, just have him kill. <laughs> even... no matter the Clark. He's not a Kryptonian. <laughs> He's a human, as we have so expertly laid out in the script of Man of Steel. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, like, uh, Krypton Dad had a pretty good read on that. It's like you're not you're not really Krypton or humanity. You uh, are you are, and yeah, I gotta say, like, for its various flaws, uh, Man of Steel also had a pretty decent take on being like an adopted child from a culture that you don't know about. Like, there was a, there was some interesting sort of subtext that I think the reason it was good is probably because neither Snyder or Goyer realized they were doing it. Like, I think this is all subtext. That happened by accident, which is if you've ever written something or filmed anything, when you're so focused on one thing, other things will pop up and you won't even consciously realize it until someone yeah. else points it out. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, although even I like one of the, the one of the biggest things about Wonder Woman that everybody loves and that has a lot like many a digital ink has been spilt or whatever we would say for digital ink. Uh <laughs> The, the her going over into no man's land and and just all that that the the best action scene in the movie why did they have her have a punch fight at the end like right. the, the didn't need it <laughs> god that was good uh liberate the town all right. of that um it, it's it, i sort of look at that in, in that you know it's it's taking them away from their their specific goal that all the soldiers are like no we just got to go and do this one thing because to me one of the important things in superhero movies, uh, sort of a gauge of heroism is how much heroism you do that is not required by the the main mission exactly. of the movie. Like, as much as I love the Nolan Batman movies, a lot of like a high percentage of the Batmaning that we see the the Batmanery, uh, the the Batmanship that we see <laughs> is uh, is him like following up on joker leads or specific like organized crime lord stuff or 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 whatever uh and we we like rare, i don't actually i'm not 100 percent sure if we see much just batman thwarting crime i don't actually think we see any now that i think of it because i was i was thinking of the first like batman debut scene in batman begins but he's still going after falcone stuff yeah whereas I... 89 batman <laughs> 89 batman it's a lot of benchmarks right. that hold up surprisingly well one 
first time we're introduced to Batman, he's out just Batmaning. They're not Joker goons, <laughs> not what they're just a couple of dudes, uh, you know, robbing parents in a, a weirdly like mirrored way of what happened in Bruce Wayne's childhood. But it, but it's not it's not plot relevant really. It's just here's some crime, here's some Batman go. Right. And we also see the 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 Batman and Batman Returns, we see things like Batman reading microfilm and doing research and like being a detective. Whereas well, Snyderverse Batman gets like angry letters with scratchy <laughs> font and thinks they're what does he think they're from Superman? Like I those don't like I did I watched letters. that scene, it's like, okay, he's mad, but why is he mad? I don't understand like I would think these would be Scooter McNary's character. Um right. Uh, Wall. Well, hold on, I got his name here somewhere. Entered in the uh... Wallace Keefe. I figured like you would, it would make sense that he's the one writing them since the checks mailed to him. <laughs> Why would he do that? Not There's only no... that, but I have to point out something about Man v Superman. And one of our contributors, writers over Fundamental, brought it up. Ian made a point about Granny's peach tea. God, the piss okay, jar incident. It I'm is braced. one of the weirdest moments in comic book movie history, and according to Ian, quote, and I've seen both Ghost Rider movies. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just had a full day Nick Cage marathon with some <laughs> friends back in Missouri. Oh, yeah, because the other podcast you were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's like, actually, there is I would a weirdness to that movie that is baffling. <laughs> I would actually almost vote Superman 3 for one of the weirdest comic book moments, because do you remember Richard Pryor dressed as a general delivering, like, <laughs> to Superman because of reasons? I loved in Batman v Superman when they shot a nuke at uh, Superman and Doomsday. And all I could do was, I was yelling at the computer, no, that's how you make the solo Superman from Superman 4, you fools. <laughs> Nuclear man, yeah. Yes. Also, yet again, part of the proud Zack Snyder movie tradition of, uh, that is copied and pasted out of Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> like, except, for, except for they just drop Doomsday in there. Uh, well, because reasons. <laughs> a lot of what we're talking about is basically... People imprinting their own beliefs onto the superhero mythology. Yeah, because I mean, Zack Snyder is a fairly, uh, fairly okay. well-known Ayn Rand objectivist dude. Like one of his dream projects is to to, to remake uh, the Fountainhead. Yeah, because he thinks it's a perfect metaphor for the creative process. <laughs> Which okay, is, buddy. I gotta say, it's the one Zack Snyder movie I'm kind of really anxious to see. <laughs> I, would be, I would be fascinated to see that. Uh... But um... <laughs> because. The- there's very little excuse for action. It's buildings and arguing about architecture and a rape scene. And, uh, like... Like, Tim Burton, as we know, is an artist and very much an outsider, and he loves his outsiderness and he celebrates his otherness. And if you look at his Batman movies, they celebrate that. Yeah. And there's also but, not a, uh, there's not a meanness in his Batman because... Speaks itself hmm? there. I couldn't hear you, what... Prince soundtrack of the original movie, I think, speaks for itself there. Yeah, like, and I was like, there's not a meanness in his Batman. Like, there's a grittiness, but there's not like a overt sort of typical. Yeah, no, not at all. Senseless violence. There's very much a. He's an outsider, so he knows what that feels like, and he doesn't want to push that on anybody. Yeah, he's not. Uh, he's not like. He's not grumpy Batman. Like he's has <laughs> a turn. Uh, but I mean. Um... There's a reason they were able to build the greatest Batman, uh, animated series Batman, out <laughs> of the, the groundwork that Tim Burton laid. 
And then you have Christopher Nolan, who... My one gripe with Christopher Nolan is he really doesn't have a philosophy. He just knows how to tell a really good story, and the philosophy inherent isn't really there. His philosophy, uh, as close as I can pin it down, seems to be like, movies are kind of like dreams, so let's not worry too much and just make this as cool as I can make it. Exactly. (laughs) Which Uh, is fine, but that's also why his Batman movies really don't deal with heroism, and so much why they're so mission-oriented, because when you're making a movie, it's about trying to get the story from point A to point C. Yeah. Uh, I 100% agree, and I mean from from a from a Batman rating standpoint, uh, like as much as I love the Nolan movies, like that that is Nolan Batman is actually one of the worst Batmans. <laughs> he he, you know, there's there's not necessarily anything wrong with relying on other people, but a lot of the things that make Batman Batman, like you know, just being incredibly skilled and knowledgeable and all these that like they're sort of outsourced to Lucius. Right. Well, not only <laughs> and he's that, not but. He's he's a ninja. He's a rich ninja, and that's fine. But you lose points. The thing about Batman in the comic books and Batman in the movies is Batman in the comic books has a very large adopted extended family. He does. He has very slowly uh, over the years become what he was cribbed from in the first place, which is the Shadow. Right now, he has a, he has a very extensive like Batman spy network of agents everywhere. And we're on our what like seventh Batman movie, and he still can't, like, maintain a healthy relationship with anyone outside of Alfred. <laughs> right. Uh, and they tried. Like, God, you know, uh, few people will say this, but God bless Joel Schumacher. He tried to make that step. Uh, <laughs> he really did. I'll give he, you credit on that. Yes, he did. He wanted it. He wanted it. Like, <laughs> you know, Batman Forever, the climax of that movie was, I'm putting this stuff behind me. I'm not Batman because of my damage. I'm Batman because... There needs to be a Batman, and I am it. I'm, right. I, I'm doing this because I want to. Uh, like, Not I could... <laughs> but what we just talked about, there's actual change that happens within the characters. Yeah. Even in terms of the Nolan Batman, there's not a lot of change within Batman himself. No, very little. But the thing that's striking about Wonder Woman is Wonder Woman starts out at the beginning, and the Wonder Woman starts out at the end are the same, but there is a character arc that she has to go through. She has to not so much change her beliefs, but temper them based on experience. I mean, quite honestly, most of the things that I think are weak about the Wonder Woman movie is the fact that it has to be attached to the other DC movies. Exactly. Because, like, why did she quit being Wonder Woman again? Like, (laughs) yeah, Steve died. having a good time. But you did all this good stuff. And yeah, there are consequences, but you grew you grew up in a warrior culture. You knew that already, <laughs> right? And like, and what and what she learned wasn't the fact that there were consequences. It was the fact that, well, I think the very powerful message was: it's not about deserving. You help people because they need it, not because they deserve it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the turn with you know not not killing the the doctor poison, right? Uh, all those sorts, of, yeah, that's that's fair. And also the sort of revel, the the revelation of like, oh, it's not because of Ares. People are just broken, right? Which I really I understand why they went with Ares, but a part of me really kind of wanted them to not. Yeah, but I understand uh, this is a Hollywood studio movie, and you need a bad guy. Also, just the 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 kid who you know read Greek mythology as a kid, like their version of it, just God. Or did they take notes from Disney about how to correctly <laughs> interpret Greek mythology? Because, oh, well, oh yes, 
yes, Zeus, the 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 beneficent leader of the gods. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, like mm. here's the thing, like, and even then, like, as far as DCU, Ares is actually a decent villain. Yeah. Uh, like, yes, he just shows up magically in the third act, but like once he states his motivations, you're like, oh, he he has them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like there's, there's Luther, the, the, I'm like, I don't argument. understand why you're doing any of this. Why? Yeah, like there's, there's an argument that my uh, my known associate and I have had where where she she's just like, why didn't Zod just terraform Mars? Exactly. Like what? <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> why? Why didn't Lex Luthor just not anything? Just not. <laughs> First off, less one side note. What the fuck was Jesse Eisenberg even doing? Because that's not acting. I don't know what uh, that was, but I was just. I couldn't even make fun of it. I was like, I honestly don't know what you're doing. And Jesse Eisenberg can act. We've seen I know. it. End of the tour. I, yeah. Oh, I, I actually, God, it's a weird personal tangent, but I, I, I recently had opportunity to see that movie in a room with people who knew David Foster Wallace, which was oh. fast. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's all. That's all. Um, yeah. But, um, well, here's the thing. I, in preparation for our discussion today, I made a list. Okay. I made a list of every movie. Uh, like, I started at the Wikipedia list, and I started uh, whittling down or adding things if I thought they were missing of movies that I thought counted as superhero movies from the release of Richard Donner's Superman up until now. And I have okay. a list of like, and I have a list of like 113 movies. Damn. Mo- <laughs> most of which I've seen. Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> And I think, I don't know, one of the things I was thinking about in terms of where we started and where we sort of keep looping eventually around to that idea of, of seeing like hero, like active heroism, not right. just reactive, but like going out and doing hero things. Like not just, there's, there's more than the mission, there's other things going on around right. the mission. And one of the things I will say kind of to defend... Like, uh, I, I understand in some ways why that isn't a priority, especially for, if they did it well, uh, characters like Superman, who are, they do street-level stuff, but they also, like, they, they do, especially for the, the sort of blockbuster movie frame, they're going to want to do, like, big cosmic crap. Right. Um, or, or earth-shattering, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Whereas, you know, your, your street-level heroes, your, your Spider-Men, or your, your Daring Devils, uh, do a lot more like <laughs> random things, right? Uh, or or good old Blade, where yeah, I mean he's laser focused on vampires, but right. he, you you see Blade go out and just like oh it's a vampire club, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill it, I'm gonna kill right. this vampire club. And if he sees uh, a mugging, or, he stops the mugging. <laughs> and I mean you know look at I think Spider Man is is a character tailor made for this kind of stuff. I think every Spider Man movie has it, actually Amazing took a step backward. Right. Because they actually had him looking for the one-armed man or, or whatever it was that uh, <laughs> I, I literally have forgotten in the first Amazing Spider-Man movie. But it was was he looking for a tattoo or something? I haven't seen the Amazing Spider-Man movie, so I cannot comment. Okay, you don't know. Uh, but yeah, it was like initially it was it was literally just like he was hunting for the guy that killed Uncle Ben. It right. was like yeah, he'd stop random crimes, but it would be so he could like check their neck or something. That is it, bizarre. It was, Why would he be doing that? Yeah, it's the as opposed the to you know, the whole point is not to be like the mystery he has to solve, but as a catalyst for why he becomes a hero. Look, I know <laughs> that, <laughs> and like you know, in in Thor, obviously we don't see a lot of like street level Thoring because there's basically no such thing. I'm glad you uh, brought up Thor because I wanted to talk about Thor. Ooh, let us talk about Thor. Go, go. 
because he's a perfect example of one of one because Marvel has this problem too. A lot of the Marvel heroes are mission oriented. Yeah, and I, I mean Thor is also a good reflection of Wonder Woman because he's also the strange the the strange mythological stranger in a strange right. land. Thor is it like yes he's cocky and yes he's full of himself, but the whole point of Thor is that he has to learn to not be a dick. Yeah, and he has to learn his actions have consequences, not through any great sort of human tragedy, but they just make him human. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, you know, what what if you didn't have all the power in the world for a little but while? See how it's it works basically out for what they did to Spider Man in Homecoming. Oh, by the way, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> but if you hadn't known of it, it's going to be actually be Spider Man. <laughs> but. The point of Thor, like I, I still, I, I've seen it a lot because I'm always moved by when he just, the climax is him just apologizing to Loki. Oh God, and I love it. And it's like nothing even dramatic or eloquent. It's like I'm sorry, brother. You don't need to hurt these people for what I did. I'm like, there's something so powerful about that. It's like it's the it, a lot of other people treat Thor as like the ugly stepchild of the first tier Marvel movies, even though it's clearly the Incredible Hulk. As much as I love the Incredible Hulk, seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like again, you know me. I love Masters of the Universe, right. and uh, well, Masters and Thor, of the Universe is a fucking masterpiece, and I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. <laughs> and Thor was Masters of the Universe again. <laughs> Except he man loses his powers for a while. Right. Uh, no, but <laughs> Thor is. I, I enjoy Thor. It's one of my more favorite early. Marvel well, I mean, movies. also, you have the perfect director for Thor. Because right. Kenneth Branagh is telling what is essentially like a Shakespearean royal tragedy, but with space royalty. Right. Uh, like, <laughs> but this idea somehow that all the other superhero movies, Marvel, DECU, and Sony, and whatever, the idea that somehow being a hero is anticlimactic. Yeah, that it's somehow not Somehow there's no drama in doing the right thing for the right thing's sake, which is anathema to the entire backlog of Hollywood cinema that says otherwise. <laughs> right. Well, there's even that... Oh, I forget the name of the video. Uh, there was that, like, Superman Ubermensch something video right. uh, that, that I... I should find the link to it somewhere. But it, it's where I found out about the, the worst Zack Snyder quote I've ever heard. Uh, Which one? Because there's a lot. It was him saying that, oh, well, Superman doesn't kill, but, like, why doesn't he kill, though, brah? Like, right. we need to come up with an origin for that. Like, because, you know, there's no reason that, that a dude would be like, nah, why not just bust heads, brah? And, and like, so, like, <laughs> apparently Zack Snyder doesn't understand that killing is wrong unless you have... Is that, has Zack Snyder killed? Well, like, not only that, but the idea that he thinks the audience won't understand why Superman doesn't kill. <laughs> like, and it's, not only that, but like I said, he just committed genocide before that, so the lesson is moot. We already, knows he'll, we already know he will kill as long as an alien. Because he did, <laughs> if aliens don't matter, that's fine. He still hasn't set up why he doesn't kill humans. Yeah, there's no, like... Oh, it was the it was the most surreal thing because it was an audio quote. Like it wasn't right. like someone maybe paraphrased it. It was if a recording. If you ever want a trip down a rabbit hole, just read interviews of Zack Snyder. It's just the most baffling word salad you ever read. I would like he answer one question with something else, and I'm like, "Are you running for office with Trump? <laughs> what the hell? That doesn't make sense." Like I, I'm, I think we talked about this a while back. Someone asked him, why did you end Superman with 30 minutes of just destruction and pointless uh, 
explosions. And he was like, that's because uh, there's no mythology in American uh, culture. So I had to create one. Uh, I was like, what? 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 <laughs> Not only are there specifically American folktales, we also just took everybody else's. Read American Gods. <laughs> Like what the fuck are you babbling about? Okay, let's say oh, okay, for a moment the, that was true. That's still not the question they asked. Here's here's the video essay. What uh, it's uh, God's the Ubermensch and the quote unrelatable unquote nature of Superman uh, yeah. by Kyle Cogren. Uh, it's a really good video essay on Superman. But it is. Um, I watched it. It's actually pretty. It's actually really good. But going back uh, to because even Captain America in yeah. Civil War, he basically what he learns is I, I'm going to protect Bucky at all costs. Fuck the rest of y'all. I don't care if he's done bad stuff. He's my friend. Yeah. Bro- and bros like, that's bef- cool, Cap. Bros before war crimes. <laughs> it's like, that's cool, Cap. Still murdered people, though. And how do you not understand why Tony's pissed? Like a, like a lot of people. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's like... I don't know. Like, that's the, the thing about Marvel movies uh, is that they've gotten so good at being stylish and breezy right. that it, they do get a lot of goodwill for dumb stuff like that. Right. Well, uh, and also they have a better PI machine. Yeah. And part of the problem with DCEU is they ha- they're acting like they have that already. <laughs> <laughs> like they they've done none of the groundwork and yet they they like clearly want to believe they're already uh the Avengers. Right. <laughs> well, and to some degree like, there's stylistic differences between Marvel and the DECU. Yeah, absolutely. Marvel, I, I will disagree with you. I don't think Marvel is stylish. I think it's slick. Because okay. Marvel, when you watch a Marvel movie, unless it's a James Gunn movie, <laughs> oh, it that man looks a lot like so, the other movies you've been watching so in the Marvel things. universe. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's fair. I uh, I think your, your slick thing is a, a good... Way of describing that. That, that well, makes more sense. As much as I hate Zack Snyder movies. Yeah, style is a much better word for them. Like, he right. is... And even uh, watching Wonder Woman, I can get a sense of Patty Jenkins. This is, mm. this is only her second movie, but this still feels like a sort of auteur drive to it. Even with yeah. Zack Snyder, as much as I disagree with them, I at least see Zack Snyder's imprint on the character. Yeah, Whereas, definitely. When I watch a Marvel movie, I am watching Marvel's interpretation of their own property. Again, unless unless it is James Gunn, who somehow just gets to be as James Gunn as he wants, which I think is because nobody in the history of the world outside of deep-cut nerds have ever given even the slightest shit about cosmic Marvel stuff. Well, like... well not only that, I think, he, I think he benefited from coming into Marvel at the right time. Yeah. At the right time when there was that bit of a shake-up between Feige and Perlmutter. Yeah. Ike Perlmutter. Like, there, was, there, there was a lot of, like, shifting going on in the, the like, Marvel studio. And he studio. was able to sneak in a product. Joss Whedon, who recommended him, was able to shield him a little, probably, from the corporatism. Mm. And by the time Whedon had gone on the outs with Marvel, there was... He had... Uh, Gunn had garnered enough inside... To, track to be like okay i want to do it my way and they're like you know what you make enough money that's fine which is by the way how you make the movie you want in hollywood you have to make just enough money right and i i feel like that's like james gunn is is now like 
part of that trifecta for me of like Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson, where the just people who came from the schlockiest of schlock horror, right. like James Gunn, James Gunn came from trauma. Like... People need to realize this. The, the, the first James Gunn movie was Romeo and Juliet. It was Romeo and Juliet in which I believe someone turns into a pig and gets their <sighs> intestines ripped out. I could be misremembering it. Trauma movies are really fucking horrifying. Uh, and like my uh, and my first James Gunn movie was uh, Slither, which <laughs> is also just horrific. Like I love it, but right. like it will like it still ha- like you can tell he came from trauma. It is some of the grossest gross out horror I had <laughs> seen in a uh, like an actual theatrical release movie <laughs> in a while. Well, and it's speaking of gun, we're going back to Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman is the crux of everything because yeah. so much about Wonder Woman is so sadly fucking revolutionary to the superhero genre. <laughs> yeah. The fact well, that I, Diana I mean, like, is a woman who has been kicking a- the ball down the road about like doing <laughs> a, a, a woman led Marvel Universe movie. Like they're just. Well, ah. well, not only that, but it's like it's one of the reasons why we wanted. Like people have been like people have always said, critics just want to bash on DC, D, D, DCEU. I'm like, no, we want a healthy competition because <laughs> the moment Wonder Woman started actually going into production, not just plans of but, and talks of, but like actual physically going into production, that's when Marvel all of a sudden started really making plans for Captain Marvel. Right. It was. And that's only... when all of a sudden Black Panther started picking up traction. They're like, okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Saw the saw the trailer for the on the big screen for the first time when I right. when I saw Spider Man. Oh, it's so pretty. But this still remains outside of Punisher Warzone, <laughs> which is still about a man. Yeah. The first... and also it's a, also it's about Jigsaw in the background for some reason. <laughs> uh, Lexi Alexander, awesome director. If you guys don't know, follow her on Twitter. She's amazing. Um, but. She, this is directed by a woman, starring a woman, about a woman, and there's no damsel in distress, but there's no dude in distress either. It's just people are in trouble and we help yeah, them. They, they don't, like, do the thing that apparently everyone, like, everyone on the internet thinks feminism is, which is just uh, make men the damsels now. That's that's what that means. Uh, or no. make the yeah. main woman so uber competent that no one else can touch her. Right. Uh... Which, like, you can do that if it's, like, doing a pulpy style, that's fine. Yeah. Like, I'm not I arguing imagine... against that, but that's not what the end goal of feminism is. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but this no, right like... here is also the main problem with a lot of uh, feminism and superhero movies. It's two white dudes mm-hmm. talking about feminism. Right. <laughs> yeah. We are, we are the problem. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Which is why so much of the stuff, in, like, some of the stuff, it just never occurred to me. Like, I know... I. You mentioned the No Man's Land scene. Mm. A lot of women have talked about how they've broken down in tears watching that. Yeah, yeah. And it never would have occurred to me how important that scene is. And the fact that Patty Jenkins had a fight for that scene. But it, like, I, I was completely unsurprised by learning that. But it, even then, I was just like, the like the fact that she not only had to like push for this particular vision, but had to push for it to be included at all was right. just like... Wow. Well, and this is what getting back to the way studios produce things. The DCU is not one company. It is DC Comics and Warner Brothers. Mm. And despite all the bad press Warner Brothers has gotten, they allowed her to do that scene. 
Yeah, like, and it might it, be because it, of all the bad press they've gotten. <laughs> Quite possibly. Because Suicide Squad was an epic fucking mess. Oh, and God. one of the things that kept coming out was they would interfering with post production. Yeah, too too many cooks, too many cooks. Well, too many cooks. Too many cooks could be a problem, but then you have something like Spider Man Homecoming, which has credited ten yeah. writers, but if we look at it, it's only six. Yeah, because uh, well, because you have to pair through those because it also gives like Stanley and Steve Ditko like well, yeah, story yeah, like, credit. That's why I that. got to six because it, you cut out Stanley and Steve Ditko, and they also count story credits and screenwriting credits as two different things. Yeah. So really, it's about six or four writers. Either way, for that many people be included on a script and to have such a cohesive yeah, that's narrative. usually a horrific sign. Right. Usually, but then remember, Casablanca had like four or five people writing that too. Well, in in a modern context, it's right. usually a horrific sign. <laughs> it's, it's never something good. It's like it's never something that when you hear people go, "Oh, well, this would be good then." It's yeah, like the, the Mummy by, had like oh, four God, or five I writers. <laughs> I don't have enough alcohol. Uh, but yeah, no, it's um. But the, I, I bring I bring this up because as far as representation goes. The D, D, the DECU has Marvel beat, but the, even then, it's not till Wonder Woman comes in where the representation actually gets to play a part in the game. Yeah, it's it's not because like there are a lot of really cardboard cutout characters in uh, all <laughs> of the, the DCEU movies. Well, like okay, Perry White is canonically he's been white, but they made him black in Man of Steel and Batman v yeah. Superman. Yeah, they had they had Larry Fishburne, the the great right. Larry Fishburne, show up and do nothing, uh, except show that the people writing Batman versus Superman don't know how newspapers work. Well, uh, Ken, you're on sports today, really? <laughs> well, not only that, but um, he doesn't really his actions don't affect the plot that much. No, whose actions do affect okay. the plot in that movie? Because I, I don't, I would argue that I'm not sure anybody's does. I think the plot is just something that happens to them. Uh-oh, I, I appear to have lost you. Well, yeah, Oh, there you exactly. are. Okay, I can hear you again. Actually, if you could hold on just one second. Yeah. Okay, okay sorry. Um, my, my hearing aids were acting up and I was having trouble hearing you. Cool, cool. Um, could you repeat that? No, I was just saying, well, who, the, there are very few people whose actions actually do uh, influence the story. In- yeah. All right. But yeah, no, like, in terms of representation, Wonder Woman is the first time where the side characters actually get to play a point in the game. Yeah. Um, uh, Samir, uh, Big Chief, which is the only nickname we've been able to figure out to give to Native Americans throughout history for some reason. Yeah, that's 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 fine. That there's no there's no problem in that at all. <laughs> and um, Charlie, well, Charlie, I guess is just PTSD. But especially with Samir and uh, Chief. Oh, that, that that guy just oozed charm. Yes. But like, yeah, uh, and it's like so. In that instance, like once again, Wonder Woman set a bar like that. The other comic book movies have to hit, and Spider-Man: Homecoming kind of did. Oh, yeah. God, I... Ugh, Ned is so great. (laughs) (laughs) 
Spider-Man Homecoming is probably next to Baywatch, and I was going to say that. One of the more effortlessly diverse movies I've seen in a while. I, I actually been meaning to ask you. Um, I was uh, I was going to ask you the other evening over chat message, but I got distracted. Uh, being someone who lived in New York, uh, well, me being someone who has never lived in New York, I still felt like it seemed more real in terms of like the fact. Alright, so, um, but yeah, no, like, in terms of stepping up the bar, Spider-Man Homecoming, which I don't think we can fairly judge, because it was basically filming about the same time. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. These are very parallel, uh, projects. And also, I have to point out, the Wonder, uh, Warner Brothers is doing something weird. Normally, after every release of every movie they have of the DCU universe... Mm-hmm. They freak the fuck out and start changing everything around. Start pro- they become like drunks in the next morning, promising never to touch the stuff again. Right. And yet, after Wonder Woman did all this amazing stuff and basically gave them a new paradigm to follow, they're like, you know what? Let's just see how Jessica Lee does. Yeah, let's just we'll we'll uh, we'll just stick with what we we're gonna do. It'll be fine. Well, I mean, that's uh. also because. Justice League was already basically done, so they can't really do it. And they learned the right, lesson with right, Suicide like, Squad. You cannot fix it in post. <laughs> What's done is done. You're just going to have to fucking suck it up. Uh, but um, Yeah, that's that's something. But I don't know. There's there's the part of me that, like, I'm, I'm glad it was good. But <laughs> there we'll is a part of goes. me that just really didn't want the DCEU to get, like, a shot of, uh, like, a booster shot. Like, like Wonder Woman coming in and, like, B-vitamining it up and giving it the strength to, to lurch on instead of dying in a heap. Right, like, like you, you wanted to learn an actual lesson. Right, just, uh, you know, like, the lesson they learned with Green Lantern was, like, nope, this is not our starting point. We're going to do something else. <laughs> I'll oh. tell you something. Speaking of starting points for failed franchises, mm. just as a bit of a tangent, you remember that really bad Dracula movie that came out a couple years ago? Oh, yeah! Uh, that was going to be uh, the first uh, installment yeah. of the Dark Universe for Universal Monsters. And then they noped right out. And then they're like, oh my god, that's terrible! Well, that's not the first movie. The Mummy's the first movie. <sighs> and then like, oh my yep. god, that's terrible. It's like, that's not the first movie. Uh, Bill Condon's Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, that's the ticket. Oh god, the uh, the universe building thing is just uh it's it's a it's a rookie mistake and you hate to see it, uh, but you don't just copy the structure onto your bullshit without making other thoughts. Like, oh no, we'll just we'll just have a monster shield, right? Like shield, <laughs> but for monsters. Oh, don't even <sighs> get me started. That's another franchise altogether. I like I I have I've not seen the mummy. Um, my my known associate saw it, and her mainly she just kept talking about how great the the character of the mummy herself was. Oh, Sophia Vitellis, uh, the mummy's amazing. And said very little. I had very little else to say about the movie around it, um, which I think seems to be a lot of the takeaway. Yeah, no, Sophia Vitella, she's going to be an Atomic Blonde. She's going to be awesome. Oh, really? Yes. God, this is going to be a good July. I'm, uh, we yeah. got Atomic Blonde coming. We got uh, Valerian. I am painfully excited about. I am so excited for Valerian. 
Well, one of the things I think is really interesting because I've been I've been Valerian somehow I missed as a series of comics. Right. So speaking speaking of tangents, but um, <laughs> the 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 book that the movie is drawing its story from, despite being t- despite the movie being titled Valerian, uh, Laureline, the character of Laureline, uh, is actually the main like driver of the plot in that graphic novel, huh. and I find I, I kind of wonder how that is going to play out like how much they're going to adapt away from that because like valerian disappears for a good chunk of the plot so oh, uh, anyway uh, it's it's a fun series of graphic novels uh, check it out it is a huge influence on everything from star wars to obviously the fifth element um right. well not only that but, anyway. but like imagery wise and what you just said all spikes luke Basson's sort of interest yeah you love strong female characters like to 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 be honest, I'm kind of revisiting like seeing Lucy because I skipped out on it because the hook sounded so stupid. But uh, Luke Besson, you just I, I love you too much. Um. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, uh, that, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you was uh, was how how well uh, how well would you say as a a former New York resident that did they capture the the New York of uh, of Spider Man Homecoming. It is one of the best New York representations I've seen in terms of diversity and just how people are. Like, I got that feeling as an outsider, but I, I, I wanted to make sure to, to run it by you. Of all, uh, the, of all the Marvel movies that have taken place in New York, that feels like the most like the New York I lived in. Yeah, I love the, the like, bodega uh, exchange. Because <laughs> well, one, li- one of my favorite Twitter, uh, not Twitter, Instagrams to follow is Bodega Cats. <laughs> Well, the bodega scene was nice. I like the guy who ran the food cart. It's like, hey, Spider-Man, do a flip. Do a flip. Hey. Oh. Uh, everybody, like, that's, God, that's the, so good. <laughs> anyway, but yes, so so not to sidetrack too much in the Spider-Man direction, but yes. Right. Um, but, like, but yeah, no, like, like, the the, 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 so, like the, so, the, the rest of the, the sort of side cast in Wonder Woman was just, like, they they developed a little bit. They were They were not just, like, oh, I'm Superman. And this is my mom. She is. She helped me center myself while I was superpower crazy. And here's my dad. He thinks saving people is a bad idea. Uh, here's Lois. She's plucky. Uh, Which, like, by the way, can I just ask one question? You're a smart man. You'd be able to help me. Oh, no. I've sat through Man of Steel and I've sat through Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck are Clark and Lois dating? Um... Because the the script said to do that. Because right. by the end of Batman v Superman, he's like, oh, he's going to propose. Why? How far along are you? Because that's what like you had the it's it's called insert. It's not inserting. It's crowbarring in stakes. Um, <laughs> stakes whoa, we gotta aren't have some... even stakes. <laughs> right. Because by this the is way, what, while even though Lois what, is never really need to be rescued, his mom needs to be rescued all the damn time now. This is what human feelings are based on, right? <laughs> boop, beep, boop. Ugh. God damn it. Why Why did you say that name? Uh, uh, and then not only that, but like I understand the... like It's one of the things where I understand the majority of what he was going for. Yeah. It's, it's just, just like you, you understand what uh, a Little League player is going for when they swing the bat and spin in a complete circle. But that doesn't mean <laughs> that... Uh, that well, doesn't mean like, they're making good choices. I understand why he put in the Martha scene. It's dumb. Yeah. But the part, the problem with the scene is why does he say Martha and not mom? 
Yeah. Because he's never called a Martha in any other scene. No, not at all. That, that's not established. It's just... It's weird it, for a son to say that. <laughs> yeah, the, the only... the only th- In fact, it would have made it would have still worked perfectly if, if in the stupid Bruce Wayne dream sequence flashback it had been like, Save Mom! Right. Save Mom! And then, like, have Clark say that too and just it'd be like, Oh, shit, he has a mom. Oh, he, we, he and I, we have more than... Nope, it's got to be Martha's, though. Because yeah, of... yeah, but not only that, like, the way it goes, like, Martha, why'd you say that name? And <laughs> like, Lois comes in, it's his mother. Oh, as much his mom, as, Martha, still gonna fucking kill him. <laughs> as, much as, as much as Affleck is uh, a fine actor, uh, <laughs> it, 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 he was approaching in the why did you say that name as a person who recently rewatched The Wicker Man, starring Kate. <laughs> He was really approaching how did it get burned. Like, <laughs> wow. Uh, not the bees. And not the bees. They're in my eyes. Um, not only that, but throughout most of that movie, Affleck is usually the best thing. Yeah. Uh, until, until Diana shows up and until just in- steals, like runs away with the scenes. Also, going back to Diana Prince and Wonder Woman, if you ever want to know the subtle differences between how a man directs a woman and how a woman directs a woman, or even just dresses them. Notice the outfit that Gal Gadot is wearing in Batman v Superman compared to the outfits that she wears in Wonder Woman. Ah, that is a good point. In Wonder Woman, she wears some some outfits that are revealing, but they're armor, and there's a point to them, and it's never really meant to be anything but an outfit. Right. In Batman v Superman, she's meant to be like, part of this elite class, and all her dresses have these slits up to the thigh, or these bizarre plunging necklines, but still have, like, a choker clasp across the neck. It's this weird sort of sensual, sort of, like... Like, it's, it's, says, it's, very, it's very overtly eye candy Because right. uh, when she gets to choose the outfit, she doesn't dress like that. No. Nah. <laughs> Which is, like, there's a whole scene in Wonder Woman where it's her trying to choose something to wear that's not, like, ridiculous right. to her. Like, and come so on. the outfit she chooses is still a pretty conservative outfit. And yes, it has to be, you know, okayed by Trevor. But even then, let's point this out. When she's in the meeting with the generals, and she hears the generals going, well, soldiers are meant to die, she fucking stands up to them, even though she has no standing in this place. Yeah, where, whereas the, uh, and this is, God... Again, like I like parts of Man of Steel, and I want to defend very specific pieces of that movie because, <laughs> as as you are aware, I believe in Superman instead of any of your human gods. But um, but just the the one of the things that that like the sort of classic staple of a superhero movie, uh, going back to Richard Donner, going back to Richard Donner Superman, like Superman catching that that helicopter as people look on or like, yeah, this is a good guy. He's doing good stuff and he's saving people. Yay, Superman. Uh, in like the, the essentially that part of uh, Man of Steel, instead of doing that in front of like regular people, it's the military. Like the, the regular people are all running in fear and like hiding and have no idea who any of these people are, Superman or anyone. And it's not until like Superman saves the army dudes a few times after they shoot at him and right. it doesn't matter because he's Superman that it's like uh, General SVU. I, uh, uh, I forget. I always forget that actor's Maloney. name. But, yeah, Maloney. Even though I always forget that actor's name, even though he's hilarious in so <laughs> many things. Um, 
also the fact that he is hilarious. Like, he's always cast as these super grizzled, serious right. dudes. Colonel Nathan Hardy. Ugh, guy's got comedy chops. Um, but anyway, like, it's it's him who's like, oh, this man is not our enemy. Instead right. of, like, you know, you, you look at Donner and, like, the, the crowds of people in Metropolis being like, yeah, it's Superman. Or you look at, like, Spider-Man... Raimi Spider-Man being like, ah, we're gonna throw crap at the Green Goblin because this is New York. Right. Well, like, there's and, a... Uh, yeah, go ahead, sorry. There's a moment at the end of Man of Steel where he, Superman downs a drone because of spying on him. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm with the government. We should be spying on you. You fucking destroyed half a city. And again, that's another one of those dumb scenes where he directly informs someone like, Oh, I grew up in Kansas, by the way. I've also already told you how old I am, and you know what I look like, and I <laughs> didn't start wearing glasses until... Like, everyone knows he's Clark Kent, and just everyone's <laughs> too nice to say so. Uh, it's just all being really polite, because he's a Kansas boy, and you don't want well, to accept this. There's also the incredible tonal whiplash. We went from Metropolis being a crater to Superman making playful banter to, like, military guy and the, the military woman who thinks he's cute. Like, right. the... No! What?! Don't you feel bad? <laughs> All right. And with now we come to the the saddest part of the show, and that's the end. Oh, God. No. No. There was time <laughs> now. <laughs> um, be sure to check out the other podcasts on the Fanimentals channel. You have Ladies First. You have the Fanimentalists. And you have Unabashed Book Snobbery. You go to iTunes. Uh, subscribe and review. That's how we get noticed. And, um, so I, and, uh, Thad, say goodbye, Thad. Uh, good, farewell, goodbye. Uh, we will see you in future days, except not see you, but be voices that you can download, <laughs> rate, right. for, for love and affection. Shut up. Have a good one. <laughs>